0: Our scripture reading for today comes from various parts of scripture. The first comes to us from Psalm 22, verses 7 to 10. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. And now Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, "O oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. And now, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of on my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Father, now we ask that you would speak to us. Lord, it's been such a long week to where it just seems as if it's been ages in which we heard your word being spoken to us and now our hungry hearts are awaiting to hear your words of life to be spoken to our hearts yet again to enliven us to equip us and to enrapture us once again of the glorious love that you have for us through your son father we pray that in the midst of all the struggle and all the suffering that we must endure that we would find the hope of jesus resonating deep in our hearts and stirring our imaginations of what is to come the hope Of our eternal life but lord until then give us the spirit of endurance and help us to have a posture of a servant always trusting in you as beloved children who are deeply cherished by our heavenly father god would you now bless us for we ask in jesus name amen and amen every night at 7 p.m in new york city people here scattered throughout the five boroughs People applauding and praising incredible individuals that we know as the essential workers. Whether you're talking about the doctors, the nurses, the pharmacists, the social worker, the grocery clerk, even the garbage collector. We admire such people because even though these people walk from various parts of life, they all have one common and yet noble goal, making all of our lives safer and therefore more livable. And so, in the spirit of celebrating such people, I would like to publicly declare recognition for one person who is arguably the most important essential worker of all. And that of course is mom, mom. That's right, folks, it's mother's day. And what that means is that we take this time to honor and applaud that one person in our life who arguably has the most important and essential work in the history of mankind. And here's what's so astounding about this person. She works even without the fear of being taken over by a pandemic to where she is threatened to do her job. No, mom has doing has been doing her life-saving work 24-7 in and out even before a crisis would ever arrive on the scene. And that should tell us something very profound in terms of significance moms do for us. But just in case you're one of those who don't really grasp the significance of mom, consider these words written by theologian Herman Boving, as he says this about moms, quote, within the family, the mother preserves order and peace because she knows the character of each person and knows how to supply the needs of each. She protects the weak, tends the sick, comforts the sorrowing, sobers the proud, and restrains the strong. For more than the husband, she lives along with all her children, and for the children she is the source of comfort amid suffering, the source of counsel amid need, the refuge and fortress by day and by night. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and her children call her blessed. End quote. Moms are the original essential worker, and their impact far exceeds and goes far beyond any essential worker that we may applaud today. And so, one of the reasons why this is the case is because there is something about mom that is unlike any other, and that is moms truly give. One of the reasons why we are called by Scripture and by our God to why we should honor her is because no one gives like our mom. And indeed, that is what I want to focus on today as we look at these three varying passages that collectively speak on what makes mom so wonderful because of how they give. So with that in mind, three things I'd like to share with you that all center on this idea of mom giving. First, moms give her body for her child second mom never gives up on her child and finally mom gives jesus to her child okay those are the three things we're going to talk about mom gives her body for her child mom never gives up on her child and mom gives jesus to her child let's begin with the first point by mom giving her body for her child read again our first passage of today psalm 22 verses 7 to 10 and it reads as follows all who see me mock me they make mouths at me they wag their heads he trusts in the Lord let him deliver him let him rescue him for he delights in him yet you are he who took me from the womb you made me trust you at my mother's breast on you was I cast from my birth and from my mother's womb you have been my God Now, just to give you a little context of what's going on here, the person writing this psalm is someone who is going through some excruciating suffering at the hands of some really vile characters. In fact, the overall tone of this psalm is saturated with so much anguish that Jesus chose to quote the opening lines of this psalm as he was slowly dying on the cross. Do you guys remember that memorable line that Jesus lifted up while he was crucified? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? remember that one? That comes from this psalm. So clearly this psalmist is going through some terrible hardship, some incredible turmoil. And yet look at what he does to remember God's goodness in the midst of all that. Starting in verse 9, he refers to a specific period in his past that enables him to still remember that God is good even though currently his life is not. Read again what it says in verse nine. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you as I cast from my birth and from my mother's womb, you have been my God. Isn't that interesting? This man, whoever he is, remembers God's goodness in the context of remembering mom. But specifically, he recalls a specific time in his life where he depended on mom, specifically on her body, evidenced by his reference to her womb and to her breast. Now, what this tells us is that there's something very profound going on when a child is growing in the womb of their mother and when they are suckling at her breast. In other words, when a mother gives literally her body to her child, it is somehow, some way setting up that child to be able to go through severe hardships later on in life. Now, if all of that sounds kind of quirky to you, consider this quote from author Gordon Dalby as he writes, quote, as much as our modern sophisticated sensibilities might prefer it otherwise, every person's flesh and blood life begins in a very particular place. Indeed, in a very particular person who influences much of what happens thereafter. The first nine months of your life took place in your mother's womb. During that earlier shaping period of your existence, you were a part of your mother's body. What she ate, you ate. What she felt, you felt. Her body, her life was the limit of yours. In her was life, and as long as she lived, you lived. If she died, you died. While it was once assumed that emotional and spiritual life began only after birth itself, the overwhelming evidence of modern research indicates that the unborn child is profoundly affected by and responds both physically and emotionally to a variety of stimuli, from the mother's eating habits and emotional state to music played in her presence. Significantly, the child's bond to his or her mother, while it surely may grow emotionally as the two spend time together, is based from its genesis upon the most elementary physical dependence and quote in other words when moms give their body to their child she not only allows the child to live but she enables the child to keep on living as that child goes through tremendous adversity now if this still doesn't make sense to you maybe I can explain it by first asking this question what do you do with your body what do you do with your body? When I ask that, I don't mean the, the kind of silly, mundane stuff like you know, scratching your belly or belching. I'm talking about those worthwhile tasks, those wonderful plans, those exciting goals that you push your body to achieve. What do you do with your body as you seek to do those things? Don't you shed blood with your body? Don't you shed sweat with your body? Don't you shed tears with your body? I'm sure you've heard that phrase before blood sweat and tears oh man if I want to get into that school if I want to have that kind of job if I want to build this business it's going to require blood sweat and tears now why do we say such things we say such things because the things that we're willing to shed blood sweat and tears for is something that is so important to us something so precious something so valuable something so worth it right And that's the message that mom is conveying to her child as she labors and goes through all the turmoil of giving her body to her child. Whether it's carrying that child for nine months in her belly, whether going through the excruciating pain of labor and pushing that child out into the world, or even enduring through the psychological and emotional uh, fatigue of breastfeeding that child. A mother literally will shed blood, sweat, and tears for her baby. And by doing so, she is commuting to communicating to that child, you are so precious. You are so important. You are so valuable. You are so worth it. And because that is the physical message this child is receiving, now a foundation is laid inside of the psyche of that child, a foundation that says, I am truly secure, I am truly safe, I am truly love, thereby giving them resilience to face whatever hardship life could ever possibly throw at them. Consider this quote from Dr. Judith Balswick, who's a director of clinical training at Fuller out in California. She writes this, quote, personality is shaped and formed by the early interactions of an infant to a young child and its most intimate caregiver, the mother. A mother provides a physical and therefore psychological space where the baby experiences a sense of well-being. In this secure holding environment, the infant begins a sense of self and other. If the holding environment is good enough, the infant's needs are satisfied. Parents who are attuned to the baby's physical and emotional needs provide the foundation for trust and security. The foundation for trust and security. See, when a mom gives her body to her child, she lays a foundation to where that child develops an inner trust in themselves because they are secure, because of the life-giving, because of the life-enriching love from mom, a dignifying love. And here's the thing. As mom continues the labor she started when she pushed out this child by, say, for example, staying at home to raise the child, going to a professional job to support the child, or homeschooling the child, she is reinforcing this foundation so that this child can maintain a sense of inner safety, an inner sense of security. You see? Now, it is vital to know that right now we're only talking about a foundation. Foundation. For those of you who may have recently bought a home or if you're into the construction business, you know that the foundation is the most important part of the building. But you know it's not the only part of the building. No. No. You see, in order for a building to really be a good building, it needs way more than just a foundation. It needs walls. It needs a roof. It needs heating and air. It needs electrical. It needs plumbing. And that same idea applies when it comes to how a mother builds a child up. If all she did was just give her body, if she, all she did was just give her label, it's just incomplete. A child needs to receive more, thereby meaning a mom has to give more. But therein lies the question, what else does a mom need to give in order to truly build up a child to have a good life? Well, this leads me to my next point. A mother never gives up on her child. Read again now our second passage of today, Matthew chapter 15, where we read of an interaction that Jesus had during his public ministry. Starting in verse 21, we read, and Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now, if you're watching today and you don't happen to be a Christian, please don't get too bothered by this whole demon possession thing. In fact, I don't want you to even pay attention to that. I rather want you to focus on this poor mother that is written about in our passage, a woman who's clearly in a bad and desperate situation. Because I think you'll agree with me, you don't have to be a Christian to recognize that moms throughout the history of mankind have been known to be put in bad and desperate situations through no fault of their own, am I right? And this was one of those kinds of moms. You know, it's funny, every time I read this passage and I fixate on this mother, Uh, She always reminds me of one of my favorite country songs growing up during my days in North Carolina, a song entitled No Man's Land by John Michael Montgomery. Take a listen to how his song begins because it does capture this pervasive plight that is so common among mothers everywhere. Take a listen. Quote, That house on the hill is long gone. Now she's living in a trailer with an astroturf lawn. Got three little kids and no one to help trying to be mama and daddy all by herself. It's hard to hold down the fort when you're holding down a job. She'd rob Peter to pay Paul, but he's already been robbed. She's got the food on the table and the clothes off the lines. She'd break down and cry, but she doesn't have time. She's got to be strong. Life goes on. Though it's nothing like she had planned, she's going to be okay. Going to find a way, living in no man's land. See, that song powerfully captures the tenacity that motherhood requires It's the tenacity of never giving up. And believe it or not, we see that same spirited tenacity in this woman as she interacts with Jesus. She doesn't give up. But of course, that begs the question, what exactly does she refuse to give up on? Well, if you read again, verses 22 to 27, it's pretty clear. She refuses to give up on asking Jesus for help. In fact, she is so tenacious in asking Jesus for help that she overwhelms the disciples to where they end up begging Jesus, please, Lord, verse 23, send her away. Why? Because in their words, she is crying out after us. In other words, she is following them, she is stalking them, she's chasing after them, screaming on top of her lungs, Jesus, help me. Now, the reason why we should be amazed at this woman's behavior is because... That she keeps doing this after Jesus' initial response to her. Did you guys catch what Jesus called her in verse 26? He calls her a dog. A dog. I don't know if you know this, but in the ancient world, there was no greater insult that you could throw at somebody than calling them a dog, okay? And to make matters worse, from the mom's perspective, this is not some random stranger insulting her with this with this insult, calling her a dog. No, this is Jesus himself. Someone whom she respected, someone whom she admired, and someone who most likely she followed, evidenced by the fact that she knew how to properly address him by calling out saying, Lord, Son of David. The vir- by virtue of the fact that she knew that she was to address him with that name, tells us that this was not some superficially interested person who just wanted to hit Jesus for what he could give her. No, this woman had an understanding of Christ that only committed followers possessed. And yet, that very fact makes it so much more painful as she hears the words of Christ. I mean, can you imagine how hurt, how humiliated, how hated she must have felt hearing these words coming at her from Jesus himself? I don't know about you, but if I was treated this way by someone who I admired, someone who I followed, someone who I deeply respected, I just want to curl up in a ball in some hidden place, feel sorry for myself, and just have this woe is me attitude. But not this mom. Because she, like so many moms, everywhere refuses to give in she refuses to feel sorry for herself she refuses to have a victim mentality she refuses to give into this woe is me attitude and she is tenacious into always asking jesus for help she does not give up now let me ask you what do you think a child is going to think and process as he or she witnesses his mom going through so much setback so much suffering so much heartache so much hardships and yet never giving up being so tenacious what is a child gonna do with that I'll tell you what they're gonna do he or she is gonna build on the foundation that mom first established when she gave her body to them they're gonna build up walls of psychological endurance that is able to weather through any major storm of life why Because mom modeled this kind of inner tenacity that just by being exposed to, they will start imitating and learn to develop on their own as they follow her example as as her child. You see? Oh, yes, indeed. Mom is amazing because she never gives up when life is hard and because she refuses to give up, that child just by sheer impact and influence will imitate that beautiful behavior and never give up the moment life is hard for him or her. Because mom was that great example, that great inspiration, and now this child believes in themselves the way mom continued to believe and be tenacious I've never giving up. Now, so at this point, that some of you moms or moms-to-be are watching this message and the response that you're getting right now is not an encouraging one. Maybe just the opposite. Maybe you feel quite discouraged. Because let's face it, being a mom is incredibly hard. I know, I witnessed firsthand of how hard being a mom can be. I'm an expert witness, guys, okay? Being a mom is incredibly hard. And I know that when you hear a message like this, it feels like you get nothing out of it except maybe feeling guilty, feeling like a failure, because you feel like you're not a mom who gives. And the question that's maybe swirling through your head right now is is this, is there anything in God's word that can help me get out of this so that I can truly pursue this vision of being a mom who gives? Well, I believe there is. And to show you, let's go to the final point for today. Mom gives Jesus to her child. Let's now read our final passage for today. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're starting in verse 5. We read, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelled first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Okay. Just a quick context here. Paul is writing a letter to his disciple Timothy. And in a portion of this letter where he is reminiscing about what he appreciates so much about little Timothy, he comes to reveal to us, the readers, that Timothy's mother and father, excuse me, not father, grandmother, was pivotal to his spiritual development, his spiritual growth. You see, Timothy was a third generation Christian, which meant his mother and his mother's mother, made it a point in giving Jesus to their respective children. And what I mean by that is these mothers made it a top priority of sharing their Christian faith by living out their Christian faith. You see where it says in verse 5 that sincere faith was being what? It was being dwelt in Tim's mother and grandmother. That word dwelt comes from a Greek word that literally means living, active. And what that tells us is that for these two mothers... When it came to their Christianity, they didn't just talk the talk. No, they really walked the walk. They had a vibrant, genuine, sincere, thriving personal relationship with Jesus, and they made sure that they shared this relationship with their children so that these children themselves could also acquire that same sincere, genuine relationship with Christ as well, okay? Now here's the thing I want you to see. By sharing Jesus with their children, these moms are revealing to us the secret that you, mom, need to understand, that you need to uh, appropriate in order for you to be the kind of mom who gives. Let me show you what I mean. When a mom shares her relationship with Jesus to her child, one of the things that she's constantly going to be reminded by is the truth of that Jesus gave his body to his people. And that includes you, mom. When Jesus did his work on the cross, he bled, right? He shed blood. He sweated. He shed sweat. He shed tears. And not just on the cross, but all throughout his life as he lived a perfect life, even though constantly tempted by Satan, but never giving in. Even though he was falsely accused, falsely arrested, beaten, humiliated, tortured, then of course eventually killed on the cross. Jesus sweat Jesus shed blood, sweat, and tears for you, Mom. Why? So that you would know, without a shadow of a doubt, that you are important. You are precious. You are valuable. You are so worth it. And the more you are reminded of that as you teach Jesus to your child, as you share Jesus with your child, you find within yourself the wherewithal to truly give your body to your child child whether you're talking about the initial giving of your body by carrying the child in your room delivering the baby out into the world nursing the child to health or the continuing labor of caring for the child or working a professional job for that child standing by the side of that the side of that child for that child to ultimately succeed it's by constantly being reminded of what jesus did on the cross the giving of his body for you that you find the energy and the power to give your body to your child. But wait, there's more. Because there's a second thing that you are reminding yourself as you share Jesus with your child, as you give Jesus to your child, and that is you are reminded of the fact that Jesus was ultimately rejected for you. right? For you, mom. Jesus had to endure the greatest suffering of all by experiencing the ultimate rejection of all. He was rejected by someone who he dearly loved, someone who he dearly respected, someone who he followed since eternity past, his eternal Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father. And here's the thing, this rejection was not something he deserved. He didn't do anything to where he should merit this kind of rejection. And yet, he did. Why? So that you would know, Mom, that if you put your faith in Jesus as your Savior substitute, you will never suffer this rejection from God. And the more you are reminded of that truth, and the more that becomes a conviction in your heart, you become more and more like this mom in Matthew 15. You will endure and never give up on any hardships, any heartache, any suffering, any setback that communicates to you that God has rejected you. You'll never come to that conclusion because you know Jesus was already rejected for you. And because of that, you will never, ever be rejected by your Heavenly Father. You will never be rejected by your God. No matter how overwhelmed you may feel, no matter how tempted you are to think in the midst of your pain and turmoil to where you think or you feel Jesus is calling you a dog, you'll know in your heart by reminding yourself of the Gospel that no... It's not you who is being called a dog. It was Christ who was treated worse than a dog for you. And because you know that, now all of a sudden, you find an inner resilience, an unwillingness to ever give up. And as you do, your child are exposed to that resiliency. They learn from it. They imitate it. And now they go out into the world, face whatever harshness they must face, So they live their lives as key witnesses to the gospel that you have passed on to them. And now the world is better off because they are in it, spreading that same hope to the people around them, all because you, Mom, gave your body and you never gave up on your children. Moms, this is the message that you need to remember. You are so precious. You are so important. You are so valuable. You are so worthy. And because of that, you have taught us to believe in that same value and importance and worth in ourselves that compelled our Savior to come and to truly be the one who sweat blood, sweat, and tears, shed blood, sweat, and tears, to convey that same worth to us. And as we remember the ultimate rejection Jesus endured, we are reminded the source of why you are so tenacious, Mom, inspiring us to be just as tenacious as well. And so with that, we say thank you, Mom. We love you, Mom. And we're so grateful for you. Happy Mother's Day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for our dear mothers. We thank you for all that they have taught us, all that they have exemplified, and all that they continue to be for us, a living witness of a person who believes and trusts in the gospel trust and believes in Jesus Christ the source of all hope the source of all tenacity the source of all strength God I pray that you will be with all of our mothers especially during this season of COVID-19 where the challenges of motherhood just seem to be magnified tenfold Father I ask that you will be with them and that you will surround them with your loving presence assuring them of your invaluing love of them and that they would know that you are by their side so that in seasons where they feel that they just want to give up, they would see you, Lord Jesus, and that they would be empowered to never give up. Father, we thank you so much for the blood, sweat, and tears that were shed on our behalf by our dear mothers. And we ask Jesus that we would honor them today for your glory and for their joy. In Jesus' name, amen.